Cup starts tomorrow, and we just saw E3, so which one are you more hyped for now? Fallout 76 or the World Cup? I mean, easily the World Cup, because I'm not sure if I'm ready for an always online Fallout game. But, dude, your choices impact how, you know, the end of the game goes. So, like, every open world game in the last six years? Yeah, but, I mean, that's what they were really selling. Everybody made that comment during the video games, and it really bugged the crap I mean, out I've, of me. I've beaten The Witcher 3. I've, I've beaten Dragon Age Inquisition. I know that. It all impacts what happens. Whoa. Artem, uh, what's, what's your thoughts? Any You looking forward to the World Cup or video games? Man, both. World Cup is going to be, what, like two, three weeks, and then it's Video Game City after that some good games coming out starting in september so i'm pretty excited good afternoon everybody and welcome back to the toe meets Lord podcast i'm i'm logan and with me today are soccer specialists andrew how's it going i'm doing pretty good I'm, I'm really excited for the world cup i'm a huge fan and i'm super stoked that 2026 the united states mexico and canada will be hosting the world cup yeah that i think is the big deal um this week that's like huge news and I mean, suck on it morocco don't suck on it, Morocco. Morocco's our friends. No, they weren't in this competition. Okay, fine. I mean, man. they might be in everything else, but yeah. in this competition. On the other line, our video game developer, Artem. How's it going, Artem? Video game developer? I don't know about that. It's going good, man. I said excited for the World Cup, excited for some video games. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it a, a combo bit because I saw a map earlier of what cities are able to host the World Cup for between the United States, Canada, and Mexico, and it's pretty much United States City over there. Yeah, so out of, we'll out see. Of, Hopefully, Frisco is able to snag some uh, some matches and some teams. It'd be nice. I was gonna say, out of eighty matches, sixty of them are gonna be played in the United States. So Mexico gets ten, and Canada gets ten. Yeah, but who has the most stadiums of those countries? I think U.S. Well, yeah, probably a yeah, large portion. We're gonna have sixty matches. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Doesn't it end in New York? So that's kind of a big Allegedly, deal. it's going to be in the New Meadowlands. So the real question is, when will they bring the World Cup to Fallout 76? That's the, that's the question that people are asking. This is a football podcast, by the way. Uh, this week, we're talking about the Mountain West, uh, what we're looking forward to this year, and how it all comes down to Boise State. The Mountain West is a conference that's kind of got a weird perception. I think... If you're a hardcore football fan, you'll notice that there are a lot of kind of interesting dark horse teams that are especially fun to watch in bowl games. But for the most part, I think this conference kind of revolves around the perception that Boise gets uh, nationwide. Ever since that uh, 2006 Fiesta Bowl game against Oklahoma, it's kind of just been, what is Boise State doing? Are they going to make a dark horse run? Can they make a playoff? In fact, I would make an argument that that's part of why the BCS became the playoff system was to give those teams a chance, like Boise State. But uh, obviously that's the general perception of fans. Andrew, as a more hardcore fan, what do you think of when you think of the Mountain West? Yeah, Boise State's the team that you think about. Though Rocky Long has really done a good job at building a good program at San Diego State. They, they've had a lot of success the past couple of years, and obviously with what Donnell Pumphrey and Rashad Penny, the two running backs did there, really kind of put them on the on the map. And then obviously last year with the whole Josh Allen at Wyoming, him ending up being a, a top 10 pick. Um, I, I've always liked the Mountain West because both Air Force and New Mexico were option teams. And as we've talked about before, option football is my lord and savior. So the more option football, the better. Well, and I also know you've made some interesting comments about the travel over there. Obviously, the impact on Hawaii, how far it has to go. And then, of course, when you're looking at the distance between a lot of these teams like San Diego State to Wyoming, other places. I know San Diego State doesn't play Wyoming every time. But you're going north to south all the way across the country. You're going halfway across the country with some of these teams. It's kind of crazy the finances these teams have to throw into just getting to each other. So there's actually an, an, an NCAA rule on the books known as the Hawaii rule where if you play at Hawaii, you are allowed to schedule a 13th game to help recoup the cost of traveling to Hawaii. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. 
So some teams, I don't, you don't see it as much in the Mountain West. Well, because you have to play most half the division has to play it every year. So yeah, you but you do see some teams. I know Alabama one year when they were bowl band or whatever way back when. Yeah, they uh, they played at Hawaii the last game of the season as their bowl game. I do remember that. Uh, that was not a fun year. Obviously, we're both out here on the East Coast. Artem, you're in Texas. You're a little closer to there. You kind of saw how TCU peeled away. What are your thoughts on the Mountain West? Are they is there a bigger fan base for the conference out uh, in the Midwest? You know, my first thoughts about the Mountain West conference is kind of kind of interesting. Um, if you ever go into Google and type in Mountain West um, or W or I'm sorry MWC. Mountain West Conference 2018, the first five things that come up have nothing to do with the Mountain West Conference. If you type in MWC College Football, Google asks you, did you mean SEC College Football? <laughs> so that should tell you everything you need to know about the Mountain West, um, except for probably a couple teams, like you guys said, you know, uh, San Diego State, Boise State, Fresno State, and Air Force are kind of the, the, the big dogs over there while everybody else is just kind of struggling to, to make up time for it. And every third or fourth year, maybe they'll come up and actually compete for something. But the other teams kind of fall by the wayside. You know, they're, they're not programs that they're typically known for football or sports in general. Yeah, you got the blue field and there's other stuff out there, I'm sure, you know. Well, I think... Josh Allen definitely helped out coming out of Wyoming, getting some more perception on them. But, uh, yeah, obviously a much less known conference. As much, as, as much fun as we have talking about how little people know about it, um, let's just get down to the nitty-gritty. So, kicking off, we've got Boise State. Boise State is probably the front-runner this year, especially in terms of talent. Andrew, I'll just hand it over to you. What do they, they got? Well, I think their biggest thing they've got is Brett Rippon coming back as a as a senior. He's been, yeah, they Josh Allen was drafted in the top ten, but Rippon's probably been the best quarterback in the conference since he started as a freshman. And, I mean, he's been a guy who's who's had a great completion percentage. Probably doesn't have the strongest arm, but does a really good job within that offense of distributing the ball to where it needs to go and really pushing them where they need to. You know, they and as you said, they return a ton of starters. Their week three game at Oklahoma State is really a chance if this is a better than, you know, you say better than usual, but Boise State's won eight games, 12 games, nine games, 10 games, and 11 games. Well, I guess the only thing, <laughs> I guess the only thing with Boise State is last year was their return to prominence because they hadn't won the conference uh, up until, up until last year, they hadn't won the conference in three or four years. So it was kind of a bounce back for them, but as far as you said, yeah, they've been very consistent. Um, as you point out, I think also, is it Rippin? Rippin? It's Rippin because he's the nephew of Mark Rippin, the started for the Redskins for like 35 uh, years. Okay, fair enough. But yeah, so Rippin was injured last year, and that's kind of what makes you stand out. Like they won the conference even though Rippin was injured for a few games, it didn't hamper them that much. They started Kansas transfer Montel Cozart. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't that, was it that he was injured or that he was struggling that they kept switching quarterbacks? I think they just chose to play a, a two-quarterback system because Cozart was such a great athlete. Rippon's really not a guy who's going to do a lot with his feet. Well, Rippon did really pick up at the end of the year as far as stats. He did struggle early on, but there was, I think he had a hamstring, he had some kind of leg injury uh, about halfway through the year, struggled a bit, and then he came back and he really kicked it tail at the end of the year and he completed 63 percent of his passes for 2515 yards and 14 touchdowns well and like you said i think the oklahoma state game is going to be their statement game on the year they also get fresno state and san diego state at home which is going to make their uh drive to a potential championship again this year much easier uh whenever you're facing teams on the blue turf uh so Artem, you've been kind of silent for the most part. What What are your thoughts on Boise State coming in? I'd say they're one of the more complete teams coming back. Uh, they do have a bunch of freshmen starting, but they tend to, to do a good job kind of getting those guys up. 
you know, up to speed. Um, I look at some of the other teams, uh, San Diego and Fresno, and they're, the, you know, they're the heavy hitters of the conference, but this year they have a bunch of freshmen at some, even the starting positions, um, the skill positions as well as two or three freshman offensive linemen. And I look at Boise State, Boise State's got their freshmen are redshirt freshmen. They got a couple sophomores, uh, junior, and then they got a running back who's going to be a sophomore, junior coming in, and they got Rippin coming back. So, um, but honestly, looking at looking at their defense too, it's mostly sophomores and juniors. So they, they look like kind of a more complete team just from an experience standpoint, from being in college in a college program uh, workout program. Uh, standpoint and you know they have something to prove they have a reputation to look to they're not really I wouldn't say they're building a program right it, Andrew mentioned um, Boise State's win totals have gone up last three or four years but you know why, why was that the case Chris Peterson left for Washington uh, his kind of mentee took over uh, Brian Harrison and he's been he's been kind of bringing it back to prominence of what we know as Boise State. We mentioned it uh, last week on the podcast of how do you kind of maintain these smaller teams? How do they maintain uh, reputation? How do they kind of be a program, not a team, right? Um, and I think Boise State's one of those schools that it, it, it's a program and their expectations and even the refreshment that will play for them will have expectations put upon them. And if they're not performing, like we talked about, you know, Ripon got replaced. So, Whoever plays well will play well. He's kind of got the saving system where I don't see that in many other schools. So I, I think they'll be successful. Well, and I also like Boise State's been much better at recruiting overall. I do think they've got an atmosphere there. They've got a culture there. Personally, I've always wanted to go to the field, but the problem is there's nothing else in Idaho, so I can't think of a good reason to go there. I think Boise's a pretty nice city to visit from what I've heard. Okay. There's potato trucks over there, isn't it? I think so. I, I unfortunately missed out on Georgia Tech's trip to Boise in 07. Yeah, for the what the Gator Bowl or whatever. The, the Idaho, famous Idaho Potato, potato Bowl. bowl yeah, that's what it is. I think it was the Humanitarian Bowl at that time. At that time, but, yeah. So, I had a really nice ski jacket, though. I didn't go to the game. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll take a honeymoon there. You know, it seems like a nice place, like you said. Yeah. You just go during the summer. Well, no, because if I'm going during the summer, we're going to go to where my next team is. Uh, well, actually, no, probably not because I don't like San Diego. San Diego State. So I think the past few years, San Diego State's been the obvious challenger, especially with uh, Rashad Penny, their 2,000-yard rushing running back. But he's gone now. He got a high draft pick, but after that, uh, he's going to have people taking over for him. This is a team that has a big focus on the run game, with passing taking advantage of a gap produced by that game. Um, Washington's the running back that's taken over, and if uh, Bill Connolly is to be believed, uh, he is going to be great, especially behind some of their linemen that are coming back this year. I don't know that he's going to be a 2,000-yard rusher, but he's certainly going to be a quality guy. Um, the defense is kind of the big question with San Diego State. They're not terrible, I mean, they're still in probably the top 40 in the S&P rankings, but that's not necessarily going to cut it against teams like Fresno State and Boise State. So they've kind of got an issue with youth in the secondary, but they return a lot of talent on the front of the D-line. So, And, of course, the biggest problem that I see with them is their road schedule. they got to go on the road against Stanford, which is not going to be fun to kick your ear off. And then they got to go to Boise State and Fresno State on the road, which is, uh, if you're planning on challenging, those are the two teams you don't want to have to play. I could still see them competing, but they're going to need some upsets. Artem, I'll start with you this time. San Diego State, do you see them uh, competing this year, possibly coming out of that di division? Uh, I mean, there's always a chance, but I don't think it's likely this year. I do, uh, I'm looking at their two deep, and uh, they do have a running back identified, but he's not one of the top two. Like you said, Penny got drafted, and uh, the guy, whatever the guy's name behind him, got drafted too, actually. Um, and they lost a couple linemen to draft as well. So I look at their two deep, and their starting linemen are redshirt freshman, freshman, redshirt freshman, and then they have a junior thrown in there. Um, so. 
like you said, it, it's a game that, that depends on the offense running the ball really well. And um, I think their first half of the season is going to be rough, getting these freshmen up to speed, especially the center who's going to be a true freshman. Um, he might be good, but it'll take him a little bit. And uh, to add to that, they have three true freshmen, as well as a redshirt freshman starting on defense. So it's going to be hard to keep up with it if, if, he, if they struggle to get their run game going um, and their defense uh, gives up big plays. Um, I don't think they're going to do as well as they did last season. Um, I have no doubt, though, they'll come back in a year or two, but uh, this CD looks a little bit um, young, fresh. In this, like I said, they're, I'm sure they're good players, and San Diego State is a program. Um, by halfway through the season, they'll get their guys up to speed, but it's those first half of the season that's going to determine how good they're going to be, and I think they'll drop three games. All right, Andrew, tell us about San Diego State and if they're a better vacation spot than Boise State. So San Diego State has somewhat turned into, you know, we talk about Rashad Penny leaving, but you, you also forgot about Donnell Pumphrey, who was there before Rashad Penny. So Donnell Pumphrey, in three years, in 2014, he ran for 1,867 yards. In 2015, he ran for 1,653 yards. In 2016, he ran for 2,133 yards. And that just tells you how much they Rashad, focus. Rashad Penny in 2016, while Pumphrey ran for 2,133, Rashad Penny also ran for 1,000 yards. He followed that up with 2,248. So San Diego State has very much become a, let's plug the guy in at running back, and he's probably going to get 2,000 yards. That's what they do. <laughs> and, you know, Juwan Washington looks like he's going to be that guy. You know, Washington ran for 792 yards last year, uh, six yards per carry average. You know, he's really going to probably be the the workhorse back as much as a, you know, a five foot seven, hundred and ninety pound guy can be a workhorse back. But all of them have been small. Well, I feel like they they remind me a lot of Alabama a few years ago, where it was just like, it doesn't matter who we put in this offense, they're going to look like a star as long as we just keep giving the ball to them. Yeah. You know, and, and they're definitely a team that wants to run the ball a lot. They they ran the ball 575 times last year compared to only attempting 252 passes. So, I mean, they're definitely a run first, run second, run third. Oh, man, I don't even like the fourth pass, but I guess we have to throw <laughs> it kind of team. And Christian Chapman's coming back. Put together a fairly decent season last year. You know, started all 13 games. 13 touchdowns, four interceptions, 60% completion rate. You know, managed what he needed to do, didn't make mistakes, didn't really hurt him. Well, and I think, like you said, the key focus was take advantage of what the defense gives you. Take those short passes, and then once you've drawn them in, you get a couple of explosive plays. But again, it's just run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. And I love that kind of offense when it works. That's the fun. Those are fun to watch. Just grind it out, you know. So they are bringing in a new defensive coordinator, Zach Arnett. He has been with the staff, so he's not a completely new face. So it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of keep what they were doing defensively. The schedule does really hurt going to Boise, going to Fresno is going to be tough. You know, it's funny. They actually, last year they played Boise back. No, Fresno played Boise back-to-back. Don't yes, they, Andrew? Yes, yes, yes. But yeah, so it is funny with the Mountain West where you can't have the possibility of these weird back-to-back kind of championship-type games. Yeah, we, we saw the same thing with uh, the American Conference. You know, these minor conferences, that seems to happen a lot. Yeah. I think it's pretty fun. I enjoy it. But, you know, that's just me. But yeah, I mean, if San Diego State, especially in the West, is going to be the team to beat, uh, in my mind, just with what they have coming back, what they've shown us. You know, Rocky Long's in his eighth year there, and he's 64-29. and 29. You know, they've won eight games, seven games, and then the past three years they won 11, 11, and 10. So, I mean, he's really got that program rolling and built that program strong. And like I said, they I think they're going to win their division probably, and then, you know, we might get a, a rematch with Boise State. I mean, that depends on the other team we're about to talk about. But you didn't answer the big question, vacation, uh, San Diego or Boise? I, I like warm weather, personally. I'm a warm weather kind of guy. Okay. Um, but, again, I've heard really great things about Boise, but I would want to go in, like, June. Okay, fair. Artem, really quick, vacation spot, San Diego or Boise? Dude, San Diego, way more... 
better, more stable climate. Although they're gonna split up into three states now, so I don't know if I wanna go there. Yeah, it seems it seems really complicated. Also, all the sports teams are leaving San Diego, other than San Diego State. So that's gonna be a lot of pressure on them in the near future. Well, Padres are still there. I, okay. Maybe, maybe they should consider leaving. <laughs> they might. <laughs> I don't know. They're, God put them there for a reason. Good, good on the Padres. Next up, the other big challenger in the West, Fres- Fresno State. Fresno State is an interesting team because they bounced back from one of the worst 2016 seasons ever. If I'm reading this correctly, they went 1-11 in 2016 to in 2017 going 10-4, and which is just insane to think about. Uh, Jeff Tedford came in, and he turned that program in a 180-degree direction. Um, honestly, they lose two linemen and their main slot receiver. But as far as I can tell, everything else is back on offense. The defense, they lose their front but return uh, their top five tacklers at linebacker and their four court DB starters. I mean, I guess the main focus with this team at the end of the day is consistency. Unlike a lot of these other offenses, San Diego State depends on explosiveness. Boise State kind of opens up with the big plays. Fresno State's very much about grinding out, don't give up a big play, stay easy on defense, and then just consistently moving down the field and making sure that every possession counts. And sometimes that's the best way to play. Um, Obviously, it worked for them last year, and I do like their mentality. I just don't know that they're going to be able to win out at the end of the year against the talent of Boise State. So our third state team, Andrew. So Fresno State's a very interesting program because if you look at it, they were Boise before Boise. When Pat Hill was at Fresno State, he was there from 1997 to 2011. He won 112 games. And Fresno was very much a, we'll play anyone, anywhere. We'll do what we need to do. We'll help. You know, he won eight games, seven games, 11, 9, 9, 9, 8, 9, 7, 8, 8. He only had three losing seasons when Pat Hill was at Fresno. They fired him in 2011. And then, you know, they hired DeRuder, which DeRuder started out well. He went 9 and 4 and 11 and 2. And then the wheels came off. I mean, six and eight, three and nine, one and seven. And, you know, and so they brought in Jeff Tetford, who, you know, I don't know how many people remember his just weird adventure at Cal where yeah. he had Aaron Rodgers, where he he was a good head coach at Cal. You know, he, he had a lot of winning seasons at Cal that Cal's really not used to. You know, there were rumors – about some of the, some academic issues, which Cal's not a place that plays around with that. You know, I mean, he went eighty-two and fifty-seven at Cal. I mean, he didn't have you know, he had gone five and seven, seven and six, and three and nine when they fired him. Yeah, I think the key is that Cal's one of those programs that has a different kind of focus. And yeah, if Ber- Berkeley is a strange place, but yeah, he came in and really rebuilt. You know, took the players at Fresno State, got him to buy into what he was trying to do. You know, he's known as a quarterback guru. You know, he he played at Fresno State. He had coached at Fresno State previously. He tutored Aaron Rodgers. He tutored the cars. He tutored, you know, he was a quarterback guru. That's what Jeff Tedford was known for. And I think he's brought that into Fresno State. All right. Well, with all that in mind, Artem, what do you want to, what are your thoughts on Fresno? You know, uh, as an expert, of, uh, of a team yeah, that right. expert fan of a team that uh, didn't seem to be able to stop the run um, last four out of five years uh, texting him I look at Fresno and there's a lot of question marks like you said there's two new offensive linemen coming in they're freshmen uh, they don't have an experienced running back two freshmen are at the top of their uh, depth chart their quarterback's a transfer quarterback their only true defensive end that has a spot in the, on the first team is a transfer defensive end. Um, and then they haven't named another starter yet. And I look at their interior defense, and it's a redshirt sophomore and a redshirt freshman. So um, I don't think they're going to be able to stop the run. Um, and they don't have enough uh, 
secondary help with enough experience to be able to kind of support that. Usually you want juniors or seniors in your, in your secondary, you know, getting interceptions or some making plays so that your freshman in the front seven can get some experience um, in the first part of the season. But um, I don't see that happening. I don't think they're going to be able to stop the run. I think their special teams have a lot of question marks. I think they're going to do well, but I don't think they're going to do really well. I'm predicting about maybe uh, eight wins this season. So I don't I, think they can get to ten. So I guess out of that division, would you say San Diego State or Fresno? Um, I would say San Diego State has a better chance, um, but it'll probably be a toss-up game. Okay, fair enough. So, and I just looked this up because I wanted to make sure. So Jeff Tedford, some of the, here are the quarterbacks Jeff Tedford has coached, either as a position coach or a head coach, and where they were drafted. Trent Dilfer, sixth overall. David Carr, first overall. Akili Smith, third overall. Joey Harrington, third overall. Kyle Bowler, 19th overall. Aaron Rodgers, 24th overall. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers had the best NFL career out of those guys. Harrington's probably number two, although Trent Dilfer does have a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Not to argue, yeah. Um, he, he also coached Marshawn Lynch at Cal, which gave us the famous uh, Marshawn Lynch riding an injury cart after they upset somebody. Well, and not to mention the famous Marshawn Lynch rush for a Super Bowl ring against the Patriots. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> but, yeah, it's been interesting to see what Tefford has been, been able to do in his kind of rehab rebuild after the fallout at Cal. I mean, how much of that is just straight recruiting and how much of that was given to him? Because he's done some really impressive things. I mean, obviously... You know, I mean, probably it was recruiting, but if he's, he's the quarterback's coach, so obviously he played an active role, or the head coach in the case of California. Mm. So he played a role in, in all of that. He also gave Marshawn Lynch superpowers. Sorry, whenever I think of Marshawn Lynch, I think of that, like, uh, where he broke how many tackles? Was it eight or nine tackles <laughs> yeah. for a touchdown? That was such a great play. Okay, um, so next up, uh, we're talking about Wyoming. The main reason we're talking about Wyoming uh, is because Josh Allen's not there anymore. Honestly, I, I'm just going to steal this straight from Bill Connolly because I, I pretty much I liked his argument. I think people are very worried about this program because it lost a star quarterback on a whole different level than a lot of the programs. But I, I don't know that this is going to affect them as much as people think. It seemed like statistically most of Wyoming's efficiency came on defense. Uh, they first 38 turnovers last year. They only gave up seven 40 yards games all year in a – System in a conference that really focuses on explosive offenses. Um, they finished 14th in defensive pass efficiency. Um, honestly, they're better on defense than they ever were on offense. So I do think they'll be good. They're clearly not going to be as good as last year. They might win seven games. But when we talk about this conference, a lot of stuff is about perception. So I'm kind of curious what people have to say that are not looking very closely at this program. Artem, what are your thoughts? They lost Josh Allen. This is obviously not a very talented team. How do you think they're going to do, uh, Wyoming is going to do this year? Bad, really bad. I don't, I don't know which games on their schedule they can win. Maybe Wolford, although I don't think so based on how Wolford played last season. Um, like you said, they, they lost Josh Allen. Um, and if you watched him play last season, most of his game was behind a shitty offensive line, trying not to take sacks. And every once in a while, he'd break a tackle or two and throw the ball pretty deep. Um, he was a good quarterback, but he got picked up early because he's a big Ben type dude. And people pretty much couldn't tackle him on the first go round. So I look at their offensive line, their center's a freshman. They got a, a right tackle who's a freshman. And they were already crappy last year. They couldn't protect their quarterback. Um, this season, they're going to have a, a junior or a senior coming up to play quarterback and a freshman running back. And then I look at their schedule, and they play Washington State, Mizzou. I just I, I don't think they're going to win those games. I think they're going to drop probably three or four of the first five. 
and that's not a good start to the season with a new quarterback. So I don't think they're going to do well this season. They're they're probably going to be middle of the pack to maybe towards the bottom of it. Okay. Well, like I said, different perceptions. Uh, we won't know until the season starts. But Andrew, do you uh, share the pessimism or? I don't. I'm not that pessimistic. You know, they do have tough games at Fresno. They get Boise State at home. But, you know, they've got San Jose State, Air Force, New Mexico, which are all winnable. I think they'll beat Wofford. I, th- I think they'll beat New Mexico State. I think New Mexico State's kind of a rebuild after their banner year, making a bowl game for the first time since the 60s. You know, the Washington State game will be interesting because I'm not very high on Washington State this year. They're losing but, a lot, yeah. And so I think, I think their pivot game really is that Utah State at Colorado pair. If they can win both of those games, I think it really sets them up at a good chance for a bowl game. The defense was very good last year. The one thing that always scares me is they're a team that led the nation in takeaways with 38. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times, high takeaway numbers can mask other defensive inefficiencies. It's, it's also very hard to replicate it those is. numbers. It is. <laughs> as, as much as you want to talk about, yeah, you know, good coverage can force interceptions you can somewhat force fumbles uh, unfortunately a lot of takeaways is somewhat luck involved and you can see teams that with high takeaway numbers have decent defensive numbers but a lot of that's based on the takeaways and as i said it hides some of their deficiencies georgia tech had a year and i can't remember what year it was where we had a high it may have been 2014 either 2014 or 2016, where we had a decent season. Yeah. And the defense played decently, but that was because there were a lot, they forced a lot of turnovers. Yeah, I think we went like eight wins or something. Yeah, eight or and we're able, we're able to hide a lot of the fact that the defense itself wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is necessarily the fact with Wyoming, but the interesting thing with Wyoming is Craig Bowl, their head coach, is the guy that built North Dakota State into what they are. That's true. I mean, he and so he was a very good hire, I think, because he goes from one outpost in the middle of nowhere that's hard to recruit at to another outpost in the middle of nowhere that's hard to recruit at. Yeah, and really, how else are you going to get people to come there? Yeah. Somebody who has experience. And he's, you know, he's he's done a decent job of putting them together. Uh, I I could see a bowl game this year. I don't think they'll completely tank out. Um, I don't think they're going to compete for the division. I think, again, that's Fresno and San Diego yeah, State. There's, there's no way. Yeah, the talent's just not there. But, yeah, I think they've got a shot at a bowl game. You know, again, I think that Utah State and Colorado State chunk, those two games are really good. And I, I mean, you hope they don't go to Hawaii and lose, but you never know what happens on the islands. Oh, no. That's a scary thought. Well, uh, that's it for our Mountain West Conference coverage. It's been fun, everybody. Uh, man, okay, yeah. All right, I'd like to pretend that there aren't other teams. Um, there are, though. Honestly, I didn't do any research. No offense, other guys. You're very top-heavy conference, and I don't expect a lot out of most of these teams. Maybe Colorado State and Air Force and New Mexico State, depending on a few things. But it's a really not very... New Mexico State's an independent. You mean New Mexico. Shut Eh, fine, whatever. Hey, don't piss off our like two fans that we have in New Mexico. Now Mexico. Oh gosh, because they're both. No, I have a feeling one is a Lobo and one is an Aggie, and we want to make sure we get them correct. I was I was gonna say meth dealers, but okay, fine, whatever. You know, I've I've been in New Mexico, beautiful state. Speaking of fun places to vacation, New Mexico on really? that list. Really, a lot of fun. Okay, I'd go there. Really? It's 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 beautiful, especially in the northern part of the states up in the mountains. What the hell? Artem, you've been to New Mexico? I have been to New Mexico. I go there in the winter, though, not in the summer. Well, Summer's okay. not bad. It's all dry heat, which you're in Texas, you're used to. Isn't, uh, oh God, is it Taos that's in uh, New Mexico? I've been to Taos. <laughs> the ski resort? Yep. Huh. I was there in the summer, though. There wasn't any skiing. I, I wouldn't picture mm. it as a ski resort kind of place. Yep. Because, like I said, northern New Mexico is like the bottom part of the Rocky Mountains. Next time we talk about this, the Mountain West should just be like a travel. Like... Basically, we just we're just we're gonna do our next live show. We're doing we're doing our next live show in Taos, New Mexico. Don't know when it's gonna be, but we'll put it on the list. I hear flights there are very cheap. Okay, Andrew. We have to fly to Colorado Springs or Albuquerque. 
clearly you know a lot more about the lower tier of this conference than I do. So why don't you give us some information? I know you want to talk about Air Force and Colorado State. So I think Colorado State's probably going to be Boise's biggest challenge in the East. Or the Mountain. Yes, they're the Mountain Division and the West Division, which I guess which makes sense. Mountain West. Eh, dumb naming things aside. <laughs> you okay. know, Mike Mike Bobo was brought in and is, has gone 7-6, seven 7-6, and six, seven and 7-6 six, and seven and six in his three years at Colorado State. So I think it's kind of a year where they need a bit of a breakthrough yeah. to see what is, they can do. Is this going to be the year that they win eight games? <laughs> Who knows? They did have to replace their offensive and defensive coordinators this year, so that's going to be very interesting. Their team, yeah, they got Austin Carter Samuels, the transfer from Washington, coming in, which he was a pretty high-rated recruit if I remember coming out of high school. He just ended up sitting behind Jake Browning. <laughs> uh, I do recognize the name, at least. Um, yeah, their grad transfer from Louisville on the offensive line. Yeah, they've got some decent weapons. They had some three-point loss to Wyoming, a seven-point loss in overtime to Boise State, a three-point loss to Marshall in the New Mexico Bowl. So it's really going to, you know, the quarterback's going to be the big question. Uh, he is replacing first-team all-conference Nick Stevens, so they did have a lot of talent at quarterback last year. You know, game two in the Rocky Mountain Showdown against the University yeah, of Colorado, Colorado is going to be a good one. Week three, they bring Arkansas to Why? Colorado State. Why, though? In beautiful Fort Collins, Colorado. Oh, because Arkansas wants to get some of that ganja. They actually have a chance at being 2-0 and in the SEC because they travel to Florida the next week, which that game was actually scheduled as part of Jim McElwain's buyout. <laughs> Colorado, Colorado State requested this part of the buyout. I believe it's a – I don't know if it's a two-for-one or just a two-game series at Florida as they, part of paying the buyout. They could actually win that game. They could. Um <laughs> I definitely see them as going to a bowl game. The tough games are at Boise State. They don't get San Diego State, and they don't get Fresno State. Yeah, so... So that's really going to help them. You know, this could hypothetically be one of those weird years where, yet again, Boise State beats them, but that's their only loss, and they make the championship game because Boise State loses to, like, San Diego and Fresno. Oh, you mean the Mountain West Championship game? Okay. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. Like, how the hell are they getting into the playoff? That's ridiculous. Hey, honestly, if they go undefeated with wins over Colorado, Arkansas, and Florida at Florida, and Arkansas and Florida have six and six seasons, not to mention Boise State and, and what would potentially be what would Fresno, potentially Fresno, San Diego, or Boise again, that'd be a pretty good argument. I mean, do I think it's going to happen? No. No. Is it possible? Yeah. But I think this is really going to kind of be a, a make-or-break year for Mike Bobo. I don't think they're going to fire him if he only wins seven games because it's Colorado State and they're winning and going to bowl games. But I definitely think it'll be one of those, all right, coach, come on, coach, can we do better? Come on, coach, can we do better? Yeah. Come on, coach, can we do better? It's going to be a Nebraska situation, except Colorado State gets fed up with seven and five. Well, yeah, seven and six with bowl game losses. It looks like he hasn't won a bowl game yet, so that's always kind of fun. Well, that might be the defining thing. Then. <laughs> um, I think it's actually possible they might fire him because they built a new stadium and they just named it Canvas Stadium. So there was a lot of hype. I was actually there um, uh, December, I think. Um, and it looks like a nice big stadium. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of expectations that come with building a stadium. And we Aggies should know that, um, having <laughs> built a $450 million renovation to Kyle Field and then having Kevin Sumlin not live up to the expectations. So I, I think if he if he goes 7 and 6 and loses a bowl game, I think he'll get fired. Yeah. Also, Colorado State is an Aggie, uh, from what I heard from you, Artem. So, like, what? That is true. Yeah. True story. So to stay in the Mountain Division, the the other decent team that is also an Aggie. That is also an Aggie, actually, <laughs> um, a real Aggie, not not like the Colorado State Aggie Rams. Yeah, uh, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me find this for you because I, I I read this earlier because since I'm doing my master's there, I want to check it out. And there's a lot of history behind it, and they actually used to be called the Colorado Aggies, and previously known as Colorado A&M. Huh. It's kind of cool. 
must be their their agriculture school. That's kind of neat. But so the school that so, I was going to talk about is Utah State. Well, they, don't worry, Artem. We'll get back to your Aggie story eventually. All right, Utah State. <laughs> I mean, they they, they are the Aggies. They are actually Aggies. And so it's been interesting to see how they've stuck with Matt Wells through, especially the 2016 season where he went three and nine. But they kind of had the same issue that that Maryland had. They lost like six quarterbacks in that season. And so he's actually done a pretty good job of of turning that program into a program that can win bowl games. You know, go to bowl games again. He went nine and five, ten and four, six and seven, three and nine, six and seven. So, you know, three and nine, he's been to four out of five bowls, which is helpful, especially at Utah State. Well, yeah, they've been a surprisingly talented team out of uh, Utah, considering no one expects anything out of them. No, and again, no offense, it's just that's the expectation. Utah yeah. State's had some surprisingly good seasons. Yeah, you know, week one at Michigan State is going to be interesting. Um, I don't think it's going to end well for them. No. But, you know, they get New Mexico State and Tennessee Tech, which are winnable games. You know, they go to BYU. They, hey, that they, would be that would be a winnable game, even if it was Tennessee, not Tennessee Tech. <laughs> they actually only get Boise State. They miss San Diego State and Fresno State. I mean, they're on the right side. So of the they've division. got a chance, I think, to win enough games to kind of vault back into a bowl game. And again, I don't think Matt Wells was too much on the hot seat, but uh, a rebound season, you know, a seven or eight win season would definitely do a lot of good to help him out. Um, okay. Artem, you got anything to say about the actual Aggies? I think Andrew had a pretty good analysis. Um, there's definitely a lot of hope around the program. Um, I, I think they they came close last season, but the only big question, like you said, is uh, losing Nick Stevens. It's going to be replacing the quarterback. He's been there four years straight. He played all four years. So it'll be interesting to see kind of do they live up to the hype. And I think as long as they get more wins than they have in the last couple of years, like eight or nine, go to a bowl game and actually win, I think it'll put some real momentum into that program since they built a new stadium. Because with a new stadium come new expectations. All right, Andrew. Talk to us. Uh, we're going to talk about the Zoomies. Yeah. <laughs> actually, all is not well. No. In, in Colorado Springs. <laughs> After a 10-3 and season in 2016, Air Force had a really rough year last year going five and seven i don't think troy calhoun is at any risk of losing his job you know he's 82 and 60 he's only missed a bowl game twice you know he's he's put together really good seasons at air force the defense has to get better i mean that's what's got to get them better you know they they couldn't stop the run you know they lost to army and navy when air force for a long time was a shoe-in for the commander-in-chief's trophy I believe they've won it more than the other two academies. Yeah, I mean, honestly, until Navy kind of kicked up their game, they were the dominant force. Yeah. Um, yeah, they gave up 28 points in 10 of their last 11 games, the only exception being a 21 to nothing loss to Army. Army rushed for 392 yards. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> Which is actually kind of low for Army. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> We're, we're going to talk about Narmi in another show, but um, so many good things in per, per my source, they haven't hired a defensive coordinator yet. <laughs> so that's not going to help. Uh, the offense was great. They, they, they averaged 307 yards on the ground and scored 31 points a game. You know, the quarterback's back, which is always going to help in, in what they like to do offensively. You know, they unfortunately lose their top running back, but... You know, you're able to plug and play a little bit with that offense, but they unfortunately go to San Diego State. They have to go to Florida Atlantic and play the Fighting Lane Kiffins. They're, they're going to lose that, that game. That game is not set up. They have to play Colorado State at Wyoming, at Army. They host Navy and Boise. That's going to be a tough season for, for Calhoun to try to rebound. They've got a lot of tough games. Okay. Fair, um, fair enough. You got any more to say? One more. One. Well, uh, two more. Sorry, oh. sorry, Nevada, San Jose State, and New Mexico. We're not going to be able to talk about you. But everyone else, we'll talk about you. No, no, no. no. We're going to talk about them. It's just not going to be good. Okay, <laughs> um, tell me about Is UNLV or is Nevada there? I, so I want to talk about UNLV because they, they hired – so UNLV's never really been great. 
they've always just struggled being a program in Vegas. From what I've been told, the stadium is actually fairly outside of Las Vegas yeah, it's, proper. Yeah, it's one of those. We were talking about suburb teams yeah. on the other game uh, on the on a group me, and yeah, that's definitely a suburb team. It is way outside. Of and Vegas. so they actually hired Tony Sanchez four years ago. They hired him straight out of the high school ranks. 15 and 0 state champion, 13 and 2 state champion, 16 and 0 state champion, 13 and 1 state champion, 13 and 2 state champion, 15 and 0 state champion. Very good. <laughs> I mean, he has And he's actually gotten better. He went 3 and 9, 4 and 8 and 5 and 7 in his most recent years at UNLV. They they lost to Howard, which is all anyone wants to remember. They blew a 27-point lead at Air Force, and they had a chance to beat Nevada. You flip one of those games, and they're in a bowl game. They've got a lot coming back. Sanchez has started to be able to recruit at least somewhat and into UNLV, which is, is always going to be on some level a tough place to try to recruit to, which is crazy to say that given that it's Las Vegas, but it is. Gorman's really the only in-state talent you have, and most of the really good players there go to California schools or the Pac-12 schools. You know, they open up at USC. I don't, I don't see that going too well for them. They, I think they can beat UTEP, which we'll talk about UTEP in our Conference USA preview. I don't – I mean, there's some winnable games. Unfortunately, they have to play Fresno State, San Diego State. They miss Colorado State and Boise State, which I think helps them. They miss Wyoming as well. I mean, they could legit because I know they made a bowl game last year, but they could. They didn't make. They went five and seven. Wow. Wait, who am I thinking of? New Mexico. New Mexico State made a bowl game last year. They're an independent, though. Somebody made a bowl. I don't know. A lot of people made bowl games. Yeah, shut <laughs> up. Stop, stop getting. Simple. I think, but I think, I think they could. There's a possible six wins on the table. Um, I think the Air Force game, the the San Jose State game, and the last two games at Hawaii and home to Nevada are really going to be their swing games. If they can win those, I think they've got a shot at a bowl game. I've seen New Mexico actually stepping it up a little bit. Um, I don't know about Hawaii. I, I think they should be a good team because they have all those big boys that eat a lot of rice and do the Hawaii stuff, but all of them seem to leave and go to Washington and Oregon. We, but we, um, I, I see New Mexico stepping it up. they got Bob Davey. Um, he's been rebuilding that program, and their schedule's not that tough. They mostly play in, like Incarnate Word, I don't even know what team that is, but a couple small schools in Wisconsin, so they're most likely going to lose the Wisconsin game, but they play everybody else in the conference, and you know, Bob Davies coached at A&M, he's had a lot of success as a defensive coordinator, he coached at Notre Dame as a head coach, and had a lot of success there, so I think he's blown that program up, I think out of the uh, Hawaii, Nevada, New Mexico, San Jose San Jose State, I see kind of New Mexico popping up a little bit more than the other four, but it'd be interesting to uh, what kind of surprise Hawaii brings. Um, apparently, Hawaii caught um, this is funny. Hawaii head coach caught Oregon State sending uh, recruiting materials to his current players. <laughs> Isn't that why like half the team transferred? Yeah, he, he he Rolovich is dealing with some. So okay, we'll get that in a second. So I don't really agree with you on New Mexico. I fully expect Bob Davey to lose his job, if not at the end of the season, halfway through the season. He's been investigated, I believe, four times by the university for a whole host of transgressions. It's, it's not fun. <laughs> it's it's not a good look. He apparently was suspended for 30 days in February. Something sexual. I don't um, even want to know. It, it's a rough. He's got to replace his offensive coordinator. He's got to replace the quarterback. They play Colorado State. They play Fresno State. They play San Diego State. They play Boise State. They play Wyoming. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it can't happen, but that is um, not. There's I, a. I saw their offense live last year, and that was a terrible offense. So I don't think you can step down from there. <laughs> um, not saying that everything else is not a real problem, like getting suspended. I mean, we've seen but, we've seen with teams like Baylor, like just because everything is going wrong in your program doesn't mean you can't have a positive year, but doesn't help things, you know. Yeah, I think I think the Mexicans in for participating in a prostitution sting. 
And by participating, I mean get arrested. <laughs> I mean, that's or, true. Or he wasn't the Kentucky player today who was arrested for 90, like, like, like 60 grams of cocaine. And, and $95,000 in cash. Yeah. Oh, yes. And like fifty pounds of weed or yeah. something. <laughs> Some ridiculous stuff. Um, Hawaii, Hawaii had a bit of an issue last year where their starting quarterback transferred, their starting wide receiver transferred. So I guess Oregon State was like, huh, these guys are going somewhere. Maybe they'll come to Oregon State. <laughs> Which that is against NCAA rules. What they did, it is tampering, and it is completely against the rules. You know, Hawaii is just a tough place. We could do an entire podcast on. The Everything unique, that's the, wrong. The unique and difficult issues that Hawaii faces fielding a football program at the FC at the FBS level. You know, it's it's a tough place to get to. It's a tough place to recruit to. Hawaii actually has pretty good high school football. Um, Marcus Mariota, Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama. Tua Tagovailoa's younger brother who committed to Alabama. Yeah. I you know, know a lot of recruits a come from amount there. of talent that comes out of Hawaii, they just leave. Yeah, because why, if you've been on an island your whole life, why would you want to stay it's there? A very, it's a very tough place to recruit to, and you know they've got financial issues. Uh, if I remember correctly, their financial deal with the Mountain West, they actually have to foot part of the travel costs for teams to come play them in conference, and so they aren't able to keep as much money – as a lot of teams could. And again, we could do a whole podcast on the difficulties Hawaii faces. And unfortunately, Rolovich came in with a bang to win 7-7, seven and seven, won the Hawaii Bowl because that's apparently the only bowl Hawaii is allowed to go to, or the Sugar Bowl where they played Georgia and it didn't end well. We don't really want to talk about that season. You know, I think they take a step back. They're in a rough place. They have to go to Army, which would be kind of cool, and they get Navy, and they get oh, they don't have Air Force. I was gonna say they themselves could win the Commander in Chief yeah, Trophy, but I don't think it's gonna happen. Regardless. Yeah, um, they play Fresno, they play San Diego State, they play UNLV, they play Wyoming. They have to go to BYU. So it's another rough year for the Rainbow Warriors. So your hopes aren't high on Hawaii. Hopes aren't high on New Mexico. New Mexico. Hopes aren't high on Nevada or San Jose State. God. So. Like of those, who who comes out there on top? I'm I'm gonna pick Nevada. The only reason I'm gonna pick Nevada is their offensive coordinator. It's his second year, and it's a guy named Matt Mummy. Where if that name rings a bell to people, he is Hal Mummy's son. Hal Mummy being the man that brought us. He is the godfather of the air raid system. Ah, he's yes. the guy that saw the run and shoot and said, "Let's throw the ball more." Let's run it up tempo. Let's do that. I mean, he, he, along with his offensive line coach at a tiny school named Iowa Wesleyan, the offensive line coach was a very eccentric young man named Mike Leach and just has blossomed the air raid into what it is currently. And so many air raid assistants and guys are all over the country. I mean, you could argue that outside of the, the SEC – and the AC, I mean, especially in the, I mean, it is the, the common offense in the Big Twelve. All right, Artem, of your, of those four, who you got? I'm gonna take New Mexico against uh, Andrew's warnings. Okay, I'll take San Jose State to be deferral. I don't think any of us think Hawaii is gonna be very good. I have no idea what the deal is with San Jose State, but I threw a dart at a board earlier and it landed on San Jose State. So, I mean, they've got as much chance to go well as anybody else, really. Last topic um, for the day. But, yeah, don't give me that face. <laughs> um, San Jose State's averaged 15 points a game last year. Woo! They gave, yeah. up, they, they gave up 41 points a game. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what that means? That's like they can only do better. They have to go to Washington State and to Oregon in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, but those aren't conference games. <laughs> They have San Diego State, Fresno State, Wyoming, and Utah State all on the road. Eh, I think they're going to win like half of those games. (laughs) I am optimistic. Like I said, the dartboard chooses. (laughs) All right, so last topic of the night uh, before we wrap up. I'm going to talk about sports in uh, Las Vegas. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about sports gambling. There's a lot of talk about, you know, what 
having teams being involved with uh, Vegas and all that. But we saw this year uh, the Golden Knights uh, were competing in hockey and really drew a crowd in the city. It's one of those cities where you don't really think about it because it's got so many attractions. You're like, why does it need a sports team? But now you've got teams uh, like the Raiders going there. And I think this has been a question on a lot of people's minds uh, for these smaller conferences is, should they be having big games at some neutral site, some big city, to kind of make themselves more legit? So I guess my question, Tommy already picked this up, and he actually thought that uh, playing a championship game in Las Vegas would be a great idea. But what do you guys think? Artem, I'll start with you. Um, it's a tough choice. Um, I mean, I don't think you can go, you can go wrong, especially if you pick the, the new Raiders stadium they're going to build. Um, and play your game there, but I think it kind of singles out one of the teams, and so you'll definitely have some um, some resistance to it because teams like UNLV have, that have obvious gain from something like that um, will, could get more recruits, could beef up their program, while you know um, schools like Hawaii or uh, Colorado State, Boise State, kind of Wyoming lose out on that deal because it's further away from them. But at the same time, like you said, I, I think um, I think it'll give them some credibility uh, if they had a game at some big venue and kind of make, made it more of a spectacle, made it a bigger deal than uh, the championship game is now. Fair enough. Andrew? So we kind of touched on this a little bit in our UNLV preview. Because their stadium is so far outside of Las Vegas proper. One of the things that helped the Golden Knights is T-Mobile Arena, where they play, is right off the Las Vegas Strip. It is downtown Vegas, you know, New York, New York, some of these other hotels in that area. Casinos. Casinos, you know, nightlife, everything going on in Vegas. So it's easy to get to. The crowds are going to be able to get there easily. I can't actually figure out where the Raiders are going to build their stadium. I think that's really going to be the big key. You know, we're not really going to talk about whether or not they, they can succeed. I do expect the Mountain West, when that stadium gets built, to put their championship game in Vegas. Uh, I think it makes the most sense. Well, it does bring up another question, as you pointed out. Nightlife, casinos, should people be worried about it from an ethical standpoint, putting kids around all that stuff? Yeah, don't give me that. You know it's going to be brought up. Okay, don't yeah, give me well, that. Yeah, but, I mean, you already have the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Outside of the city. The The... The campus is in the middle of the city. Okay. Well, like the campus is right off of, it's like six blocks off the strip. The stadium is just not in the city. Is the big difference? Oddly enough, um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I like the idea. I kind of hope it gets picked up because I think because which basketball was it the Pac-12 that had their con their conference championship? No, in Vegas. It was a smaller one. Uh, I believe. Unless, I thought it was the Pac-12. Maybe they changed that this year. Maybe it was the Pac-12. Yeah, it's in Las Vegas. Okay. Well, there you go. At T-Mobile Arena. So, so yeah. yeah, I mean, I 100% think that... It'll draw a huge crowd. I mean, certainly, if you compare their biggest crowd at the conference championship was when they had it at Fresno State, when it was, like, just under 40,000. And then since then, it's at somebody else's stadium. It's under thirty thousand. Yeah. Like, well, I think the thing that helps, that does help them, is hosting it at the home stadium of one of the teams that's playing. That's going to be a positive thing. The one issue is though, opponent tickets are going to be hard to do, especially if you're looking at, you know, it hasn't been decided late in the season, and so the week, you know, the week before championship weekend. Whoever wins, wins, and that's when you find out where it's scheduled. That's going to impact some travel. You saw that um, – you see that in the ACC to an extent when Clemson will wrap up the Atlantic with a couple of games to play, and the Coastal is still trying to sort itself out. And so Clemson fans – you know, I went to the Clemson-UNC game a couple of years ago in the ACC title game, and, I mean, it was mostly purple and orange. I mean, a lot of that is a Clemson's a magnificently huge fan base – but they were able to buy the tickets a couple of weeks earlier because they knew they were going to be there. Right, and that's why you also always see such a huge Alabama fan turnout at the conference championship because they buy their tickets well in advance. Except last year. Yay. <laughs> Alrighty. 
Well, I think that's going to wrap us up for the day. On that fun, cheery note, thanks, Andrew. Thanks, as always, to our listeners for listening to us drone on. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at tomeatleather at gmail.com. And check out our Twitter post at tomeatleather, T-H-R. Um, Artem, thanks, as always, for joining us. Take it. Take it easy. And Andrew, thanks again. And good night, everybody.